guys, welcome back to Make the Space with Ashley. It's your girl, Ash. I have a very special guest here with us today. Best friend of mine, we go all the way back to, I believe, like eighth grade. Um, I got my best friend, Jonah, here with me. What's good, Jonah? I ain't gonna lie, I was hitting this money dance. Shout out Bobby Smurder being out oh, now, Bobby. too. Yes. Facts, 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 yo. You, when we was talking before we started recording, you said something, like, we was talking, talking, and you was like, you said something, like, about a week ago, and in my head, I was like, about a week ago, a week ago. <laughs> but I was like, let me stop, let me stop. I'm not going to be that person. Um, But, I, yeah, guys, I got Jonah on the show with us today. Jonah is going to be sharing with us his mental health journey. Um, You know, as you know, mental health journeys can be, can be long, they can be a lot of work and Jonah's here to, you know, basically just share his testimony. And I find it very important for him to be here today sharing this with us because uh, a lot of times we don't hear men talk about their mental health and um, not just any men, but black men. You know, Jonah identifies as Afro-Latino. Uh, he's Dominican and proud. Well, mentira, he's Puerto Rican and Dominican, right? Come on, come on, don't do that to my mom. She would be so offended if she heard you say that. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just had to make sure I got it right. You know, he's he's a little he's a little coqui and a little platano, <laughs> a little so You know, so and like I said, he identifies some as some people would claim it so as like, the best of both worlds. Will it be me? I don't know, I mean, but some people say it. That's debatable. We're not going to get into that because you know how I feel about Dominican men. So we're not going to get into that. Trigger. Trigger. <laughs> trigger. <laughs> um, yo, when we're done, I'm going to have to send you this meme that I saw about Dominican um, dudes and their moms. You're gonna no, no, no. Because I already know it's my my dad and my grandma. But besides that, go ahead. <laughs> but so, yes, Jonah identifies as Afro-Latino. So we don't often hear stories of black and brown men talking about their mental health because historically it's something that's very taboo and stigmatized in you know our communities in the black community and the latino community so jonah is here to share that with us and it's going to be you know very important to listen to very impactful and i myself is i'm going to learn a lot as well because jonah's only shared a little tiny bit of nuggets with me in regards to his mental health journey so i'm gonna be learning with you guys um as well about jonah's mental health uh journey but before we get into it, Jonah, every time I'm on the sh- uh, have a guest on the show, you already know what's up. I know mm-hmm. you listen to the podcast. You know, I always have what I call a flex moment for my guests. It's a time for you to flex on us. Let us know what's good with you, what you do for a living, if that's something you want to talk about. If you got any cool projects coming up, or if you're you know doing anything cool, fun right now, just whatever you want to let the listeners know so they could get to know you a little bit more. All right, well, I don't really have much to flex about. Like, I'm just out here like everybody else trying to succeed. But yeah, as Ashley mentioned, I'm Jonah, um, originally from New York. That and Island, yeah. exactly. So all the other New Yorkers, don't be hanging on Staten Island, please and thank you. I appreciate that. Um, moved, out to, <laughs> moved out to Lebanon and following graduating from Lebanon, like went back to New York for college. Shout out St. John's University. And following graduating from college, have been working in Major League Baseball in various roles since 2016. And it's allowed me to move all around. Um, for example, like Miami, 
back to PA, Dominican Republic for a year, which I'll mention later. And once and again, lo and behold, back to New York. There is just a magnet with New York three times now that I'm out there living in this. Have a love-hate relation with New York, but yeah, that's just me. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I don't understand why you have a love-hate relationship. I know you have a hate relationship with the Bronx. Jonah. You can't see it. You got a lot of friends that be listening yeah. from the Bronx from back way back when, when you were living there. Nah. They're gonna, they're gonna yeah, they now. because you'll be you'll be hella disrespectful about the Bronx and it'd be getting me tight because I feel personally attacked and I don't like that, bro. I'm just saying, like I heard once I heard the broken down Bronx instead of the boogie down Bronx, I just realized it makes more sense. Nobody says that. Nobody Maybe says I that. Up. I don't know. <laughs> you sure do make it up. We don't know. But you know that's that's Dominican men shit. They always be making shit up at it. Wow! So, wow! You know what can I really expect? Or is it Puerto Rican woman being what so defensive? I... Mm. Eh, 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 eh. I gotta say it a little lower before my Watch mom hears. It. Yeah, for real. Your mom be busting that room like, uh, "Do not let that go, Get the heat back on but um we're gonna stop with the bronx blasphemy and we just you know we're gonna get into it so um jonah basically i want to know like at at what point in your life did you realize maybe you're a little you know you're more sad than usual or you're you know feeling more down than happy or you know more anxiety than usual like where were you in life when you started really maybe realizing like you know, something's a little off. Yeah, well, I'll say my journey with mental health um, basically started in high school, which mm-hmm. I don't know. Now that I really think about it, like I literally did not think about this until right now when you asked. I guess I could say it started in elementary school living in Staten Island because when we lived in Staten Island, we lived in the projects, the Stapleton projects. And it's like one of the only urban communities in all of Staten Island. Um, and in the Stapleton projects, it was just a bunch of gang violence. Like I witnessed myself firsthand in elementary school, a couple people shot and killed, like whether it was not going to say right in front of my eyes, but I saw it, whether it was like through our apartment window or just like on our balcony. Right. And witness gang jumpings from like a, a counselor from PAL, um, in our elementary school playground and like things of like that. It never really affected me back then. But when you really think about it, all things like that cause PTSD or affect you in some way, somehow later down the line. Right. They're just all triggering Mm -hmm. moments. But I would say the real journey started in high school. Um, I would say more than like, what did we have surfing? It was junior year, right? That's why I asked Jason the other day. It was junior year. And <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, I remember yes. surfing. <laughs> she, she was still like the, the most strict grader for English class I've ever had, like including English professors in college. Or maybe she didn't know what she was doing. I'm not going to come at her though. Um, salute to all these school teachers. Yeah, it's not about her <laughs> But yeah, it's, I would say then, um, I didn't really know it was mental health issues back then because it's just things that 
Well, I'm assuming you definitely knew, um, as you mentioned throughout multiple times with various episodes. But with me, I fell through a depression. So I was bullied throughout high school. And then junior year, my father was arrested. And at that time, I didn't really know how to deal with this. Um, just like coming back home, seeing basically the depression my mom was going through herself and just it making me just incredibly sad through always and my method of coping with it was actually cutting myself like that's what it led to and the reason for me to do such I don't know I was at a really young age I guess maybe seeing it through tv and whatnot and it was something that no one really knew about um, like friends from high school, family members, like every time I would go to school, I would put on a facade, just being my normal self, like quirky, just being, you know, one of the happiest kids that my friends, like you guys would be around, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then like, I'm not going to say I was suicidal because there's a difference from thinking of taking your life and actually wanting to. I was never at that point where I wanted to, but I thought about it a lot. I knew this was a true issue and basically it all stopped with me taking control of my own actions and taking control of my mental. I knew it was something that I couldn't continue doing um, in regards to cutting myself because who knows if I would hit a vein and whether it was like, you know, losing potential blood or having to get my leg amputated as that was the area that I would cut. Um... And as I mentioned, I knew it, I was, it, was, it was the wrong thing to do because of the position that I could put my mom, the hole I could dig my mom in even further if something b- really bad were to happen. And I knew that she was mm-hmm. going through a tougher time than I was because now she became basically like a single parent raising three kids. Like she wasn't a single mom, but she just, she had to become a single parent being the lone adult to raise three kids now. So I know she was taking it even further or it was dealing, she was dealing with it even tougher than I was. Like I was just being selfish at the time um, with my actions that I was going through. So yeah, I would say that's the start of my mental health journey. I see. I do want to mention, I just want to say, you know, I don't want you to like think of yourself as being selfish in that time. You know, I know like when I, 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 when I attempted suicide, I thought of myself as being selfish. You know, when we're going through those times of darkness and like real pain and like having those suicidal ideations or like myself, like actually, you know, trying to go through with it or, you know, going through self-harm like you were, it's not selfishness. Like, that's just we really feel like there's just no escape and we're we just want the pain to end Mm -hmm. you know and and sometimes in that moment we feel like that's the only relief that we can get so i just you know as someone you know that you're my best friend your family i love you dearly i don't want you to carry that weight that you know you were being selfish because i want to let you know that you were not you were in genuine pain and what you were going through was just as important as what your mom was going mm-hmm. through. I watched it. Oh, that. so it was for like the longest time, like up to last year. I took it. I took it as just me being selfish until I started having my my first therapy sessions. 
and that's exactly what my therapist um basically alluded to me so yeah no you're exactly right okay okay let me stop let me stop (laughs) soon soon one day i'll get there but that's good to know i'm glad that you know you know that so i'm glad um so you know you knew that you had to take control of your mental health and stop this so like how how did your mental health journey progress while you were in college because you know college is a big transition in life like we we out here in these streets we on our own like we think we grown but we not grown we make mad mistakes we meet good people we meet bad people you know influence all that stuff so it's like so how how was that in college for you because i mean we didn't go to the same college we still stood in touch but you know you was three four hours away from me i was still here in pa going to school out here so how was well, that yeah, for that's you fact, in regards to college being the most influential time in anyone's life um so for me as i mentioned like being bullied in high school what um and whatnot like even though i had a lot of friends i'm not gonna say a lot of friends but i had a core group of friends including you i still mm-hmm. wanted to go to a school where no one else from high school was going to because I wanted to have a complete fresh start where I was able to just come in freely be myself and be my be my you know my true organic natural self and just because I Mm -hmm. wanted to prove to myself like okay I could get friends from being me because in high school I'm pretty sure we had this conversation before like I feel like the friends you make in high school is because you're forced to make friends in high school, right? You see these people every day of your lives. Like, I moved to Lebanon in middle school. So it's like from middle school, from sixth grade, all the way to senior year, you're seeing these people every single day of your lives for however many months the school season is. And that's it. So in a way, you're forced to, you know, become friends with these people, right? But in college, that's when you truly get to choose who you want to be around and the people you want around you. So surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals, people that have same, not the same aspirations, but just have aspirations. And even more so, like me, most of my friends from college are first-generation Americans. And it just organically happens that way because like, it goes without saying, we know our motivation. We know our parents' motivation. We know what our parents went through and sacrificed to put us in the position that we're in now. So, like, even past that, I would say, like, I didn't really have any true issues which I am blessed with in regards to mental health in college, other than freshman year, sophomore year, like, stressing out about how am I going to pay for school. Um, other than that, like, financial aid knew me by heart. I was a regular in there. But that that's the one bad thing. The only the lone negative I'll have to say about St. John's is just it being a private institution and the cost of tuition. But other than that, everything went fine. Um, I was able to to be myself and gain friends that way, which I'm not gonna say boosted my ego, but made me feel good because it showed it showed that mm. okay, I'm someone that people want to surround themselves with, that people want to have as part of their lives so in a way it was just it was just really enlightening and positive wow i I have to say like listening to you and like thinking back to high school bro like 
I never knew that you were a bully because to me, you were one of the cool kids. You were one of the popular kids. <laughs> like, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea that that you were being bullied at, at all, you know? So that's, that's very surprising to me. And to me, I mean, you, I've, I've always loved you for who you are. You've always been cool, down to earth, funny as hell. You know, like I never found you like, you know, negative words that people like to use like weird or, you know, whatever, like stuff like that. So like to hear that, like you were bullied, like I want to go up to those bullies and be like, why the fuck you mess with my friend? Like he's mad see, cool. Like, see, and, that's facts, and that's when I the realized way. later on in life, first of all, like are you saying weird, like this is all subjective. Like there's always going to be someone else to find you such way. Um, but then mm-hmm. as I mentioned, realized later on in life, that's just people, you know, throwing out their own personal issues onto someone else and just projecting, projecting at all right. times. And at a young age, when you're impressionable, that all actually gets to you. It truly affects your mental. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just wasn't strong enough mentally at that time to just let it rock. Right. Um, well, you fooled me because like I said, like to me, like you were one of the, the cool, popular kids. And I felt, you know, so, you know, grateful to have you as a friend. Oh, because like, you always had my back. You always, <laughs> you always made me laugh. And like, even as the years went on, like there's not many people from high school that I'm still really close with, like, or friends with periods, you know? So Same. for us, you know, like we've been friends since, still, since eighth grade. And like, no, uh, no, I transferred I was, in eighth grade, my friend. Grade. But yes, because I remember it was gym class. No, so no. whether it was seventh, eighth grade, whatever grade it was, it was gym class when we first met. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And we've been friends ever since. And it's like, you know, we we, we close to fact. hitting 30 soon. Wait, real, real tidbit. Real tidbit for the <laughs> listeners. Ashley used to get pissed in gym class because that's when oh. the Touch It song came out. And she used to get pissed when, you know, the boys in gym class, they would do the beat on the floor. Oh, my God. I was like, who is this girl yelling at all of us? Yo, can y'all stop? Oh, okay. Yes, I'm stopped right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't even remember that. But I know that it's true because, I mean, I I know I was like, you... Um, like, like I became friends with you. I remember I had science class with Marcellus, and when I first met Marcellus, I thought he was annoying as hell. Um, VG, Hokey, like all of y'all was just mad annoying. I hated all of y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, these boys are dumb. See that disrespectful. <laughs> I was like, I y'all, I couldn't stand y'all at first, but then like when I got to like get to know y'all and see how like goofy and funny I was, I was like, I, right, right, exactly. they can let it rock because we were just like them, you. Let them do their dumb shit. Facts, like yeah, honestly, like you guys are like the male version of me because I'm a goofball, like I'm a complete clown. Like you mm-hmm. know this, you know this. But um, getting back on track, <laughs> over here reminiscing for the listeners, they're probably gonna be listening. Like what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> um, so you said you know in college, like you know you was doing better. Um, around like when did you when did you stop cutting yourself? Did you stop cutting? Oh, cutting? No, no, or, that, like, was, you know, that was that like, was late in high, in high school, like still junior year. 
everything everything got because my dad was only in Russia oh, for like okay. a year. So once he came back home, everything got better in mm-hmm. regards to that. Got, got you, got you. Copy, copy. So you know, college is going smooth. You're, you're surrounding yourself with good people. Got a good support team, making real friends. You know, where like did you find that after college? You know, your mental health started to dip a little because, you know, even after college, that's a that's another big transition because, you know, college is not the mm-hmm. real world, you know, and we graduate from college. We get those big girl and big boy jobs and, you know, we're starting at the bottom, working our way up, you know, our it's the same thing like in, in high school that happens in college. You have those core group of college friends that sometimes when you leave, y'all don't stay in contact and everything. So you know, where did you find yourself in your mental health journey after um, well, college? Well, I would say post-undergrad, that's when my mental health definitely started to deplete. And solely because, like, I fell down that black hole, which some would deem post-graduation depression, where I went a whole year without work. Like, I thought, oh, coming out with my bachelor's, I'm going to have offers just, like, on the table where I could just choose what job I'm going to take. Nothing. Nothing. Ha! That's a lie. Mm. I had nothing. So I was just here at home just mad at the world. Mad at the world and like embarrassed for myself that I was doing nothing in life. You know what I mean? And just at that point starting Mm -hmm. to become more critical of my or overly critical of myself skeptical if I were to even succeed in life like oh did I just waste my parents bread sending me to school I'm doing nothing so all that all those emotions started to affect my relationship with my parents and and my partner at the time um even more so my parents because I was I had came back home following graduation because I wasn't going to stay in New York and just pay rent like crazy for nothing so I had came back home and as I mm-hmm. mentioned, like my relationship with them started to go downhill because then they were questioning what I was doing in life and I would just combat them with just anger. So yeah, that's when it really started to go downhill. Wow. Yeah, I actually recall you going through that mm-hmm. difficult time and like talking about, about it with you. I remember we would have text and phone call conversations about your frustration like yo like graduated from this expensive ass school like there's nothing out there for me right now and i remember your frustration of like being back at home being back in lebanon which trash. we all know all is kind of like say trash. a dead end <laughs> i'm not gonna say i hate so this, this place because i appreciate lebanon for what but it's just nothing here career-wise yeah. or just like to move forward in life Absolutely, absolutely. As I absolutely remember your frustration and going through that. Uh, when you were going through that, like, what, what got you out of that deep depression? Like, was it, did was it something that you personally did, or like, did something finally come through for you career wise? Like, what was what were you able? Well, to Well, it was to, like, something coming through for me career wise, but it was due to me taking the initiative of trying to make something out of nothing so um i had graduated from st john's bachelor's with my degree in or my degree i graduated st john's bachelor's with a degree in sports management 
and I knew I wanted to be in the sports industry, but wasn't entirely sure as to what I wanted to do. So I would attend, you know, internship fairs, job fairs with specific teams. And then I knew the Miami Marlins were having an internship fair. And I said, you know what? I've never been to Florida before. Kill two birds with one stone. One of my really good friends from college is from South Florida. So I was able, like I, I had travel arrangements already and living accommodations for once I were to get down, down there. Um, as I mentioned, took the initiative, knew I needed to do something, went down there for that job fair or the internship fair and landed a position. It wasn't in what I wanted to do. Um, it was in accounting, something that I was always good at through high school and college. And something I always knew was a career I could fall back into, but not a career I thought I that would that would be the first position out of college. Um, so was offered a position with the Marlins, took it up immediately. I was like, all right, it's allowing me to move down to Miami. It's allowing me to be in the sports industry. Granted, not what with what I would want to do, but it's a foot in the door at least. As I go down there, mm-hmm. I have separation anxiety immediately because like I'm on my lonesome, even though I have the friend from college, but it's like, I don't want to bother him to to just like you know show me around south beach or just to do anything with so i had to force myself to learn how to appreciate time to myself so i had to be okay with taking myself out to dinners going to art installations museums um start going sightseeing just you know being a tourist by myself and enjoying it so that was one positive out of it and then during that year with me working for the Marlins, at the time, the best player for the team was also like one of the best players in Major League Baseball at the time. His name was Jose Fernandez. He was a pitcher, a Cuban pitcher. Um, he had passed away. He was a year younger than we are. And he had passed away abruptly from a, a real traumatic accident, a boating accident, right? The first time I ever had to attend mm-hmm. a funeral as we needed to as an organization. And just seeing the impact he made on not just the Cuban community in Miami, but the entire county of Miami and actually all of South Beach, because when he came from Cuba, he, he was in Tampa. So it's like, you know, all from South Florida, I would say to like mid Florida, like Tampa down, Central Florida down. Um, Just the, the impact he made on that amount of people. Um, seeing the hurt, as I mentioned, I've never been to a funeral before at that time. So seeing the hurt through people's eyes and it just impacted me in various ways. It showed me like we truly only have one life to live and it can be taken from us in a matter of seconds. At that time, I hated my job because as I mentioned, it was in accounting and I never viewed myself as being an accountant. Like I'm not one who can sit behind a, a computer on a chair and just do that all day. Like I'm a people's person. I need I need interaction. I need social interaction. I need to be talking to people. And I had lived at that time like three to five minutes away from work. And I dreaded going into work. Meanwhile, it's only three, five minutes. So I knew like I needed to change my life. I knew like if I were to pass at that moment, would I be happy with the type of person I was and where I was currently in life? And the answer to that was no. So I knew I needed to, you know, 
transition to the side of the industry of the baseball industry where I envisioned myself being in to begin with. So it was enlightening. Um, it was, you know, a moment in life I will never forget. And I will truly remain grateful with forever. And granted, it's unfortunate that it had to come due to the death of someone else. But as I mentioned, like it enlightened my eyes to a lot. And sometimes in life, it unfortunately it takes traumatic moments like that. Um, well, not mm-hmm. traumatic, tragic moments like that to really just like open your eyes and see like, wow, like we we really only have one life to live. Like this physical self here, like that's it. You know, once it's gone, it's gone, and you know everything we do on this that's earth stays here, and that's, that's the end of it. You know, but it's it's something that that we tend to forget as we mm-hmm. are going through life. Like we, we go through the we go through the motions every single day because whether things are out of routine or we are just hesitant to taking a risk. But yeah. So you attend this funeral, you see this, you know, this tragic um, event, a life taken too soon, and it, it opens your eyes, to, you know, that life is so short. And, you know, you see how much you hate your job. Is this how you ended up in DR? I know earlier in the show, you, you mentioned DR for a minute. You said oh, you're going to talk about that. So is this where you end up in DR? Yeah and no. So I was able to get a position in the industry, I mean, the side of the industry that I wanted to be. So it was baseball operations. Um, with that, I got hired by the Phillies for a year. And then, you know, just wanting to progress in your career field. I was offered a position with the Pirates to go down to DR. Now, in my time with in DR, it was like two real monumental moments in my life. Um, the first one would be a breakup from a relation from a long-term relationship right mm. and the reason why i say that was monumental is because i handled it horribly because granted it was a toxic relationship um was a lot of toxicity my fault possibly but hey that's how <laughs> life is um yeah. but you just you learn through these moments now as i mentioned i handled it horribly where it was just you know shutting down and just going to complete and utter sadness like not wanting to speak to anyone meanwhile this is all like while at work in the dominican republic where you know it's paradise people should be happy but no i was just sitting there sad not wanting to talk to anybody like um just straight to my room once i was done with work before work in my room only coming out to eat and then go into the office not being my true self so like and, not enjoying the bless the blessings I should be receiving, or not receiving the blessings that are ha- handed right in front of me th- for the Lord, right? So then, during this you know um, emotional emotional state, I got in a car crash, which was actually a near death experience. Like I was driving one of the team vans and I was coming back after watching The Strangers Two. So NDR where we are at. We're um all the most of the teams facilities, the major league baseball teams facilities in Dominican Republic are in Boca Chica, right? Which is about 40 to 50 minutes from the capital. And in the capital is where they have like 
all the movie theaters in English with Spanish subtitles. Now, the people that know me, I'm I'm a huge, av- I'm an avid movie fan. Like I'm always like I'm all about television and film. Like I care about the award shows, all that. Regardless, besides the point, I said, you know what? Let me go get some sushi <laughs> and let me watch a movie. I go to watch The Strangers too. The movie was supposed to start at 9 p.m., but the way they have the trailers in DR, they got commercials before the trailers. Shit didn't start until 9.30. Well, now, damn. I'm not blaming the DR theaters, okay? <laughs> but I left that movie tired. And as I mentioned, it's another 40 to 50 minute drive back. I fall asleep while on the highway, the car rears off the road. The, or the van, the team van. Um, the van tumbles and rolls four times. I wake up on like the second or third roll. And it's just like a, a complete crash. Um, tourists from Spain had to come over and help me out the car, blah, blah, blah. The cops come, patrol police come, or highway patrol police come, make sure that I'm not drunk. Like do all their tests. Then they say, oh, I'm lucky to be alive. And the only reason why I'm alive is because I had my seatbelt on. And I said, wow. wrong. The only reason why I'm alive was because God was by my side. It wasn't mm. my time yet. That's it. And I viewed it right then and there. That was a sign from God because he saw the the state that I was in and knew that I was being truly ungrateful for the position that I was in. You know, a position that baseball fans be in. Working in baseball and working in baseball in DR. You know what I mean? And meanwhile, I was just taking everything for granted. So from that moment on, literally from that moment to now, I completely realigned my life. Like I have just been nothing but straight positivity. From that point on, I had to realize like, okay, I need to sit down and start to love myself. Like I got to refocus myself, start to learn about myself. Because as I mentioned, it was a long-term relationship that I was in since like 19 years old. And at this time I was already 24. So like five years, five and a half years that I was in this relationship that started at a real young age when you don't even know who your true self is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to, as I mentioned, learn about myself, um, realize my my self-worth, my value. And those are things that parents can't really teach you. Like for me, an example with in my life, my parents have been together since they were 17, 18 years old. I personally don't think like they know who they are individually and with that said like i know my parents love myself but like do they truly love themselves because in order to love someone else you need to love yourself first mm-hmm. so how do i know like that they truly you know unconditionally can love the other when they never had the adequate time to love themselves first Facts. So this is something that I knew I needed to do before, like, or while while in my time in DR, like, you know, while still in paradise, while still working in baseball, um, appreciating everything that's around me. And as I mentioned, like, it, it gave me a whole new perspective in life where I started noticing a lot of other things that had nothing to do with myself, like um, mental health or or just you know, readjusting my life. Like I started questioning a lot, like, 
why aren't mothers celebrated on birthdays? Like, are we selfish for celebrating ourselves when it's basically an anniversary for when our moms gave birth to us? Like, you know, carrying us for nine months, going into labor for, you know, some parents, some moms going to labor for like 18 hours or over two days. Meanwhile, we're just celebrating our birthdays when we did nothing but pop out. You know what I mean? I'm gonna tell my daughter that because her birthday's coming up, and I'm a I'm gonna let her know. <laughs> <laughs> or for your birthday, celebrate your mom. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be a huge celebration; just show appreciation. That's all. Right. And then what else? Like you know, just realizing how we really just complain about first world problems out here. Like so in mm. D in DR. As I mentioned, the facilities are in Boca Chica and most, even the ones that are in Boca Chica, like they're next to individuals living in huts, living in shacks. And like they have, for from what we view as Americans, little in life, right? But for them, they have everything. Living with such humility, living with like, you know, so, you know, pure, blissful with life. And for us, it's like, how can someone be this happy with life when out here we complain if we break our iPhone or break Mm -hmm. our phone so it just really humbled me and changed me for the better basically and ever since then like I've never been so at peace like I, I started not caring about how others would judge me like not caring about or not holding back who I am basically but Mm -hmm. just trying to be more positive in life and trying to do things right by him and by Mm. him i'm sorry like i know some aren't believers but i am so by him i mean god no we we respect on the show we respect all all beliefs all religions you know all practices so don't worry about that i think that's you know you know i'm a believer you know i'm a Mm -hmm. a christian um you know jesus is my lord and savior uh, I think that's beautiful. And, um, you know, one thing that you mentioned that really, like, grabbed my attention, you started, you know, having, you started, you know, appreciating more and started questioning, like, why don't we show appreciation appreciation for this and that? And it's proven that practicing gratitude, which is something that I practice myself, you know, that, that I push myself to do on a daily, practicing gratitude can really change the trajectory of our thoughts. Mm-hmm. It can really change where we are mentally, you know, and it's that it's not to say it's and it's different. I don't want people to get it confused with toxic positivity because that's not what gratitude is. Gratitude is like what you were saying, like really just being appreciated for everything you do have and not complaining and dwelling on the things you don't have. Like, exactly. like you said, like a broken iPhone or things like that. And when you practice gratitude, you really, really change your mindset and your perception. And I think that is, you know, it's so beautiful that you know, out of something that was so, so tragic and so traumatic and so dark that you came out of it, you could have, you could have turned around and been bitter. Why me? Why me? Why did this have to happen to me? Oh, woe is me. But no, you turned, you came out of that and you said, I got to give the glory to God. I got to thank him. And I need to practice more gratitude. I need to stop sitting in this beautiful country, being upset about a toxic relationship that was not good to my mental health as is. And now still I'm letting it fuck my mental health. And I need to, I need to be, to practice gratitude. I need to be thankful. I think that is so beautiful that you were able to take that, 
experience and some people would have took it and went left with it but you decided to you know to do the right thing and and be happy and and learn to appreciate not just the things around you but also appreciate yourself as an individual Mm -hmm. because as i mentioned he could have easily taken my life like ashley the this van rolled four times like it was a total loss of course um but the entire like from the passenger side throughout the entire because it was like a four row van because it's you know to carry teams everything was just invented in and i literally like i'll send you the pictures after this or did i send you the pictures before i don't know i'll resend it (laughs) i had no injuries literally nothing and that's how i knew it was a sign from him because he kept me like he got me through that unscathed like the only injury i had was like my glasses being pushed in from the airbags. That's it. Whoop de do. But wow, that that is definitely a testament to God. Mm-hmm. You know, that definitely is. So, so you go through this tragic, traumatic, near death accident, and it, it's a wake up call for you to to be more to change your to change your thinking and to be more positive, be more appreciative, practice gratitude, um, you know, and were you able to continue that when you left DR and you came back to the States? Oh, yes, definitely. 1000%. Like, I'm not going to say I was an angry kid, um, but I would get into arguments with my parents, um, as I mentioned, especially following undergrad, like during that time with me being here and like my relationship with my parents completely changed like for the better um me reaching out to family members that i wouldn't speak to so often um me wanting to go see my grandma more than ever like at least going once a week like the times that i was in new york um make like just making an effort to go and see people um Mm -hmm. so yeah no it definitely changed my mind for the better in a number of ways that's amazing and you know you you mentioned like you know you started reaching out to people you know fostering better relationships yeah it's proven that when we have a better relationship in ourselves, that um translates into the relationships outside of us you know um you know whether it's romantic family friendships you know when we have a better relationship with ourselves when we love ourselves when we're truly at peace inside it trans transcends into everything and everyone that we interact with yeah you know it's just something that we all strive to achieve yes absolutely so i know right now you're you're in the states you're actually in pa right now um you've been in pa for the whole pandemic how has your mental health been during the pandemic and what have you been doing to you know just stay mentally healthy well most of the pandemic my my mental health has been good um you know granted even with everything going on with this government showing that they don't give a fuck about us with the lack of bread that they want to send to their own citizens and then with the let me the stimmy, right? the <laughs> and we got yo, we got more bad bunny albums than stimmies. Like, ain't that wild? Like, there's no reason that should be bad bunny. I'm, I'm gonna just be honest, like, other than God, bad bunny has done more for me than the government. 
I'm just saying, he dropped mad fire music that kept me going throughout this whole pandemic. Like, what's up, Joe Biden? Where's where's my 1400? See, I need the. And the thing is, that should be a joke, but it's not. It's not. It's, it's not. fucking not. They don't care it's about not. us. They really don't. They don't. But um, don't. so with that, with it seems like it was a long time ago, but the Black Lives Matter movement as well, with through all those deaths, mm-hmm. so. During that time, that's when I had started going to therapy because um, after the, well, during that, those marches, Taraji P. Henson has this foundation that I had spoken to you and a previous guest of yours, Jenny, about, um, where Mm -hmm. she, her foundation, they were giving out free sessions to black and brown individuals, right? And I was like, you know what? Therapy is something that I've, always wanted to do it's something that i actually used to advocate other people to do but never did myself and i used to like i would advocate other people to do it um especially like black and brown people because we've all endured something well just one being minorities in this country Mm -hmm. two especially like those of us whom are first generation americans um because like with that said there there is a like there's a higher expectations from our parents because of how much they've sacrificed and they don't understand the amount of stress they put on top of us and the amount of responsibilities that and the weight that we have to put on our shoulders because of them and then Mm -hmm. on top of that not being able to speak to them about our mental health because that's taboo to them Oh, I was I was right. able to go through what I needed to do in my life at a young age, like having kids, blah, blah, blah. How can't you do this? Or, as my mom would say, pray on it. Go to church. Those aren't those mm-hmm. are real solutions. Um, so, as I mentioned, like, even though I was an advocate for it, I've never done it myself. And then I started, I did sessions. I absolutely loved it. Like, it was... So you did it through the foundation, through, the foundation. through Taraji's Yes. Foundation. And okay, cool, cool. I don't mean to, you know, say like a cliche or whatever, blah, blah, but it was truly therapeutic. <laughs> That's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like, in a way, so my therapist was a black woman because I knew like how you and Jenny were saying in your episode, like, oh, it's... It's basically like a whole stage in deciding who you want to be your therapist to begin with. I know mm-hmm. I, one, wanted someone black because that's just, you know, who I align with. And two, I wanted a woman because your perspectives on life is completely different than ours. Like we could view something one way and most of the time, like your perspective is right. And we just need to hear what y'all are telling us. Um, well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that again. <laughs> what you said? Nah, nah, you're, you're just you said to, women you're are right. Have to rewind it on the listen back, <laughs> on the playback. That's because <laughs> I won't say it twice. But <laughs> but yeah, no. And then you know, hearing her say because basically what I told you is everything I told her, and hearing someone else tell you how self-aware you are in your life, just makes me realize okay you know what maybe i am going about things right maybe i am making him proud 
And maybe I am, mm. you know, going down the path that he has led for me. And I needed to, I needed those obstacles to get to where I am now. But then recently, as you know, um, I just had knee surgery in November and it's definitely been a setback where I didn't know post-surgery depression was a thing. Um, I didn't know till like other people told me about it because they saw what was happening to me. Um, like I, I was just, I was just down. Like I was, I, I didn't know if I was ever going to get past the recovery because the first two months, like I had a major knee surgery where I tore four ligaments. It was a five and a half hour surgery and I got six screws in my knee. And the first two months I couldn't walk at all. Like couldn't bear any weight on my leg whatsoever. You know, just straight crutches. And you're going through like unbearable times of the day where I'm literally like there was a four day span where I only had like an hour of sleep. And it's just like, you know, straight bawling through the night. And as you know, like I had knee surgery back in the ninth grade. At yeah. that time, I thought that was bad, but I was also 14, 15 years old. This one was just so much more worse because that one was just a torn ACL. Well, we all thought it was bad back then. We all was like, why do you have a knee surgery at, in ninth grade? You old yeah, like I remember we used to... I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> but yeah. then this one, it was just like a whole hundred times worse. And something that... Like, I pushed it off for so long because I remembered how the initial recovery was and it was something I didn't mm-hmm. want to deal with again but I knew my surgery was imminent it was something that I absolutely needed to happen um and as I mentioned momentary setback I fell down in the dumps but now I'm slowly picking myself out of it since I you know finally have range of motion I could walk again I'm back to or I've started physical therapy and just working on the strength of my leg but it's a it's something i need to keep reminding myself that it is truly a process because it's a whole nine to twelve month full recovery like i need to continue physical therapy for the next seven to ten months so you know there are times where it's like oh am i ever going to get better um mm-hmm. the the medical system, they took away my physical therapy in Pennsylvania. So now I have to wait till I go back to New York to complete it. And the past two weeks, it's like I haven't had therapy. And now I feel myself getting weak again. And it's like, oh, and is this, am I ever going to get out of this? But as I mentioned, it's like slowly reminding myself, okay, you needed the surgery um, to make yourself better down the road for, for the future, the long-term future. And, you know, this is just a thing that is only going to last a year and past this year you're just you're just going to be gucci so yeah to put it in in a lack of terms i i'm trying to get my way out of it i hear you are you still in therapy to this day uh i actually am not because i'm not gonna lie even though that was virtual i personally would want to go in person now i understand that is difficult with the pandemic but i just know like there is it's just a difference because doing it virtual you see the time right there and now that i could see the time i feel like i'm rushing through topics that i'm speaking on and i don't Mm -hmm. want that like i just want to have you know a natural conversation where i don't 
I'm just letting my my mind free speak freely without having to say, oh, I need to get all this in on this session because I have 10 minutes left. Right. But yeah. I feel that because I'm, I'm in therapy still and I, my therapy is virtual and I, and I feel the same way. I, I don't like it. I'm constantly looking at the, the clock and I never feel like I, I get everything I'm supposed to say through. Um, but, you know, you know, for, as, as your friend, you know, knowing that like you have this long road of recovery, you know, if, you know, down the road, like you soon start to feel like yourself falling into that depression, you know, even though you're trying your, you know, your hardest to, to stay positive and stay on the up and up, like, you know, don't hesitate to do that virtual therapy because it may not be exactly exactly how mm-hmm. you want it but it could still be helpful in a way you know so don't totally like write that off oh yeah me? i'm not i i got her number i got her email i'll hit her back up <laughs> with the swiftness <laughs> i i i even follow i remember you um you shared a post um a, a post yes. that your therapist put up and i follow her on instagram now yes. she's amazing shout out to her i, shout I don't out know to if her. i'm allowed to say her name but if not i'm gonna just say shout out to her <laughs> Shout out to her, yeah. <laughs> we won't, we won't um, expose her just in case because we don't know, we don't know what we can exactly. and cannot do. Um, so, I mean, your a, a mental health journey is is you know it's it's ever going. It doesn't really ever end, and it's it's forever changing. You know, what do you what do you see for yourself in twenty twenty one? You know, just just for yourself personally, but also you know for your mental health journey. Where where do you see yourself, and what are you looking forward to? So as I mentioned, what I'm most looking forward to is getting past this knee injury. <laughs> but no, it, it's basically to to get back to who I was like physically and mentally. Because as I mentioned, like this has mm-hmm. been a setback and I'm still not out of it. I'm still not out of the dumps. But I feel like I'm not going to say I'm going to get better as my knee gets better because that's just an excuse and I shouldn't rely on that solely but mm-hmm. that's really my main goal honestly is to just get better physically mentally um financially you know the stock market going on yeah 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 we, we trying out here but <laughs> yeah no nah, it, it's just you know to just continue bettering myself to to try to remain positive um continue to to learn new things hone in on skills that i already have learned new skills that i don't have like that's what i was doing throughout the recovery like those two months i couldn't do anything i was forcing myself no it's not even forcing myself that's a bad that's horrible words um but i was remaining productive i was finding ways to remain productive Mm -hmm. so that's like learning new skills through like video editing, having a friend teach me that, um, honing in on Photoshop skills, reading. Reading was like the main thing I was doing. I was getting through a book every two to three days. And I just wanted to keep my mind racing. One, so I wouldn't think about my injury. And two, because, you know, knowledge is power. So learning something new, um, and especially in the form of reading, which is something, it's basically taboo that people don't do. So, yeah, that's basically what I'm trying to get at for the rest of the year. Continue reading, continue gaining knowledge, um, get, try to remain positive through this recovery 
and now having to go back to New York for work, trying to maneuver, traveling through New York while not contracting COVID. <laughs> That's another obstacle I'm going to have to go through. So, yeah. Right. right. Well, well, you know, as you know, as my best friend, you have my support and I always have your back. You know, I'm always here for you if you, you need a talk, you need a vent or whatever it is because I know like you know you've been living at your parents for like a year so it's like moving back to New York that's gonna be a whole nother transition too um but you know I believe in you 100% like you know hearing your whole story you've come a long way and I have to admit that your story is inspiring for me personally because um I hate to admit this but I not always the most positive person and it's not like uh it's not like i'm um how do you say purposely being mm-hmm. negative it's just it's difficult it's at just, times I'm, I'm work i'm yeah and i'm working on rewiring my brain like i said um earlier like you know one of the things i'm working on is practicing gratitude on a daily you know and your story has inspired me to really stick with that and you know to practice more mm-hmm. positive thinking you know i do a lot of i do a lot of negative self-talk and shit like that no, and especially and so i just want to say industry that you work in as well with what you see at the hospital right and uh, I, so i just want to say you know i i know that you are definitely gonna you know inspire and impact the listeners with your story but i want you to know that you've truly inspired and impact me and i mean that like that's no cap i'm not saying that for the show like well, i'm you. really gonna like leave no thank you like i'm really gonna leave this co- this conversation and like thinking to myself like when i start feeling you know doing that negative self-talk and like feeling you know just not positive like i'm gonna think of you and i'm gonna think of this mm-hmm. story well why thank you why thank you like it's as i mentioned I'm, no i'm just trying to be <laughs> you know i'm just trying to succeed in life personally not for others and do right by him so that's what like i know the positivity is what he i'm not going to say that's what he just puts in us but it's just the way that we should be and in regards to most importantly this is like for a lot of people that worry about being judged right you just got to remind ourselves like there's only one person when we pass away that is going to allow us to enter heaven or not. And that is God. So because of mm-hmm. that, like I don't care what other people say about me or how they view me. Because at the end of the day, they're not going to impact my life post-death. So always mm-hmm. like, you know, try to remain true to yourself. Be yourself no matter what. And don't ever think you need to alter yourself because of someone else. Amen. You just took us to church. No, Hallelujah. Was... <laughs> back. Yes. 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 I'm over. Yes. I don't know if you can hear but them snaps. Let me but ask... I'm snapping. <laughs> yes. We're snapping. Let me ask you something. If there's, if there's, if we have a listener who's, you know, listening to this episode that is, um, you know, a, a black or Latino man, and they're they're going through some mental health issues or mental, you know, mental health struggles themselves right now, and you know, like like we've mentioned earlier in the episode, you know, in our community, in the black and Latino community, 
mental health is very taboo it's very stigmatized um it's very you know it's it's very there's a lot of shame around it you know all that all that negative stuff that we know goes on in our communities if there is a man black man or latino man listening to your story today right now what is one piece of advice you would give him reach out for advice that's basically it and just express your feelings whether that is writing it down in a notepad or your note section on your phone um building that foundation around you whether it is finding a therapist or speaking to those close-knit group of friends whom you know that you could reach out to that you could be your vulnerable self that's all it is like who you could be vulnerable around because like with those individuals mm. those are the ones who you truly view can push you forward um you know instill positivity into you or just motivate you to be the better you so never be afraid to mm. to be vulnerable with anyone in life because that's that's true that's really what the main issue is like us feeling like oh we speak or expressing ourselves as being soft nah like you, you really don't have to yeah. worry about being soft because everyone everyone is anyway you know what i mean everyone's going through something so mm-hmm. just don't worry about once again it just goes back to don't worry about how others would view you so yeah that's a that's a really good piece of advice and i hope that our listeners take that away with them jonah i i thank you so much for First of all, for supporting for supporting me in my mental health journey and supporting my podcast. I know since day one that I started. They want they want for both. They want like, for both. You as have, a friend and as a listener. <laughs> yeah, they want for both. Like you have been riding with me. Like you are a full blown supporter. You listen to the show. I know that there's times that you even called me up to discuss. Like, yo, I just heard the show. And we spent like an hour or so talking about it. You know, I really appreciate your support through my mental health journey and um, through the podcast. And I appreciate, you know, you coming on the show is another form, another way of showing your support. You know, you coming on the show, sharing your mental health journey with us, you know, giving us a little inside look on what that's been like for you. And and really like being vulnerable with me and with my listeners like that is that's the greatest gift mm-hmm. that someone could give to me. And and I appreciate you for that. Like, I really well, thank first, you so I'd much. Like to thank you for having me here, truly. Um, <laughs> but no, like, you know, I've contemplated being a guest for months. And it, it wasn't really yes. ever about being vulnerable. It's It was just mainly, one, I'm just a shy person. Like, even though... I'm very, I'm very, no, no, like, even though I'm very outgoing, I am hella shy. And I just, I'm not someone who likes to speak about myself, really, for real, for real. Um, and I've brought it up to you a numerous amount of times. Like, I really don't like speaking about myself because I was like, you know, I just got a normal ass life. So, yeah, no, thank you for pushing me <laughs> to telling my story and for being on here. Um, thank you for pushing me saying that, you know, this could be inspirational to someone else because I realized this, like just through this podcast made me realize like it can possibly change someone else's life. Like anything anyone can say, as long as it impacts one person, that's all that matters. So yeah, no, thank you for having me. You know, I love you, Ashley. 
And yeah, no. Absolutely. And that's the whole purpose of the show. I always say like, if I impact at least one person, you know, then- Done your job. I've, that's exactly. my job. I've done my job, you know? I've done my job. So again, thank you so much for coming on. You're always welcome on the show. And, you know, again, thank you for the support. Um, yeah, this was this was great. I have a lot. Of, I know for me, I have a lot to take away. And I know my listeners will have a lot to take away, too. So until next time, this is Make the Space with Ashley. Take care, guys.